Hello again, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30. This is the show taken right out of the pages of Storyboard Memphis, the journal that brings you Memphis stories, ideas, and connections in one place. And I am Mark Fleischer, publisher of Storyboard Memphis, and your host for the next 30 minutes of Storyboard 30. My guest today, John Zena, director of Memphis and Shelby County Division of Planning and Development, is in. We are going to talk about the plan known as Memphis 3.0. As this airs almost two weeks ago on December 3rd, Memphis City Council uh, adopted the 3.0 comprehensive plan by a 7-6 to six vote. There was uh, much discussion that day with some council members supporting a motion to delay the vote again, uh, something that has uh, occurred multiple times since the summer, but it was adopted, as we said, by 7-6 to six vote contingent on a meeting minutes being approved this week, upcoming December 17th, which we, we're certain it will. John Zena, Director, Memphis and Shelby County Division of Planning and Development. Welcome to the show once again. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me back. We were here back in the spring, uh, yourself and uh, Rashawn Austin. Uh, we were all in talking about 3.0, which at that point, there was still quite a bit of open discussion being had about the ramifications of the plan, what it meant for the city. But I want, I want to take listeners back for a second because I always think of the the person who's sitting in their car going to work, you know, or the person who, you know, this is a Sunday night, the person who's sitting there cooking dinner and like, why do they care about 3.0? So let's let's start, if we could, on that level. You know, why would the average person care about Memphis 3.0, the comprehensive plan? Good question to, to get us started. As we've noted before, Mark, the city of Memphis has not adopted a comprehensive plan to guide growth and development uh, since 1981. That plan, which was called Memphis 2000, the primary mode of considering how the city would grow was to invest in infrastructure and other enabling means of enabling development in the reserve area, the annexation area right, uh, of right. Memphis, uh, ultimately so that the city could incorporate those new areas into the city limits, which grew the city to 340 square miles over time. I believe the last annexation became effective in 2015 uh, or so, bringing us up to 340 square miles. Of course, now the city is de-annexing areas to, to be able to shrink the footprint. So why does the, the average person care uh, about that? The physical size of the city is a direct determinant of the level of services that a city government can provide. The physical size of the city dictates, obviously, the miles of roadway that have to be taken care of, uh, the miles of sewer that have to be taken care of, the land area that has to be patrolled by police, that has to be served by fire, neighborhoods that are served by parks, and so on. When we have levels of population density uh, the way that we have them now in a city of our physical size, it is very difficult for a city like Memphis to raise the revenue that's required to meet the, the levels of service uh, that are required. So thinking uh, about the way that we're growing is always something that is important for a city to do in understanding uh, how uh, not only it, it provides services uh, to the community, but also um, to uh, in thinking about the vitality of those neighborhoods, uh, especially when we're thinking about long-term vitality mm -hmm. uh, of neighborhoods. 
One of the things that I think is a reason why the residents of Memphis should care about Memphis 3.0 specifically is the the primary focus of new growth in Memphis 3.0 is not in our reserve area, is not in areas outside of Memphis. The primary focus of Memphis 3.0 is back in the city of Memphis. And that is a clear departure from the way that we have thought about growth historically in our city. And I think embraces uh, a new urban future for Memphis in a way that we have not articulated in any other way similar to what Memphis 3.0 does. Now, that said, we are a city of 340 square miles, and we are projected to have modest growth uh, over the next 20 years. So we have to make choices with respect to where that growth is uh, encouraged to be. And so that is sort of the anchor strategy of Memphis 3.0 to say that we want to see activity happen in neighborhoods across the city, but we have to do that by thinking very strategically about our core and about our neighborhood centers as being the places where growth is most poised to take place that can have a ripple effect that benefits neighborhoods around it. Listeners may not realize when we're talking about 340 some odd square miles that that, that is that's the size in geography. That's the size of a city like New York. That uh, it's, is a si- it's bigger than New York it's City. Bigger fact. than New York City, and yet New York City sustains you know 10 million people. And here in the core city, if you don't even look at you know Shelby County, we're talking about six or seven hundred thousand people. So it's a to use the term vast. It's a vast difference. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that I think about it is geographically, we're about six times the size of Washington, D.C. We have very similar populations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So same, yeah. same population, but six of them. Right. Um, the interesting thing, too, I mean, when you look at the, the not just the comprehensive plan, but also the, the trend in demographics, the trend in growth, we're just, if we just talk about the market, for example, is really reversing 60 years of flight east. I just say the term flight without using the term white flight, but the trend to move and develop east, uh, which started in the really post-war, post-World War II, with uh, the popularity of the automobile, with uh, road uh, widening, uh, the interstate system, and so on and so on, the growth of the suburbs, you know, really we're trying to reverse that trend, which is a which is a challenge. Without a comprehensive plan, um, market forces might continue to take us further and further out. As well, specifically, yeah. uh, what what we found in our research uh, early on in the plan process was that market forces tended to favor a very sort of narrow cone mm-hmm. within the geographic center of the city that roughly takes you from downtown to the eastern edge of the city along the Poplar Corridor. For anyone who has observed development patterns over the last couple of years in Memphis, uh, that probably is not surprising to them. That's that's where we're seeing a lot of market-driven right. development. And I think that by and large, our, our community embraces that we are seeing that development back into the city. But what gave us pause as planners and and I think gave the community pause when we presented 
that the, that research to them was that that narrow band was the projection for market-driven development over the next 20 years. And it left mm-hmm. out a lot of areas of the city that otherwise would be uh, would not see much activity at all. And that was somewhat dissatisfying, I think, for everyone to say, while we're excited about growth, we want to make sure that the benefits uh, extend to communities across the city. How can we make that happen? Memphis 3.0 helps us to helps provide answers to how that can happen by making sure that there are strategies for how growth accrues to not just downtown and the medical district, but also uh, all the way out to Fraser and Raleigh and Whitehaven and Hickory Hill as well. And, and on that note, I want to, I'd like to take us back to the beginning of the process for a second, because I think it's really important to be reminded of the fact that, you know, traditionally comprehensive plans were, were done by city planners in the conference rooms and the big tables and big maps. And, you know, let's figure out how to move traffic, you know, things like that. Today, however, you know, we look at, you know, I know a couple of the models were Nashville and Denver uh, in terms of their comprehensive plans. But the idea in reaching some of the communities you just mentioned was to actually sit down with these communities and discuss community members. What what do you think you need? What, What are your assets? What are your community assets? How can we improve upon those? What are your community needs? And, and the, the 3.0 process did a series, you know, did a series of community meetings. There were literally hundreds, I believe, there community, mm-hmm. community meetings. 15,000, 16,000 people attended these meetings. And, you know, full disclosure, I was part of those, part of those meetings, and I, and I was a facilitator for, for a few of those. And it was really actually a lot of fun to sit down and get a flip chart out and, you know, sit down with the community and talk about, hey, what's, what do you love about your community? What are your, what are your assets and, and how can we improve upon those? So I mentioned all those things because, as you said, the market is going to go to Germantown. The market is going to go to the Poplar Corridor, but that's going to leave out areas in Fraser. That's going to leave out areas in Whitehaven. That's going to leave out, leave out areas in South Memphis. And the, the comprehensive plan was designed specifically to start with these community discussions. That's yeah. correct. So as part of that plan, you held the community dis- discussions, and literally the, the team would, would take that feedback, go back to the little literal drawing board, and begin developing the plan. And then another series of meetings in 2018, which unveiled... Um, kind of a draft of what what it could look like with and then engaged in more community feedback and so on. So going, taking us back to the beginning, and I, I mentioned this because some of the council discussions were around there wasn't enough community input. Anyway, I like to take take us back to that point because it this is a plan that's been in now in development for now three years. That's and you right. could go back even further if you if you look at the planning stage. Yeah, we we started the process. Uh, it was about this time three years ago when we we held our first kickoff meetings, and yeah. and we very intentionally you know tried to schedule meetings throughout the community, uh, but with each phase of of community input that we did to have uh, opportunities uh, throughout the city for residents to be able to have discussions about the city plan, the comprehensive plan, but at that community scale that where they identified 
more closely, uh, where issues resonated with them mm-hmm. more closely. It's a lot easier to talk about the neighborhood that you hold near and dear to your heart sometimes than it is to talk about issues on a full citywide scale or talk about how issues in, in you know one part of the city might uh, affect issues in another part of, of the city. So so we wanted to get we were really wanted to start at the beginning uh, mm-hmm. with with the places that people really cared about uh, within their communities. There were multiple rounds of, of community engagement. They were designed to be to build on one another uh, mm-hmm. so that you know we we were evolving in the decisions that we were making in the plan process, but evolving also in how decisions that were identified in, say, the first round of workshops that were more geared towards identification of community assets mm-hmm. then led into seeing uh, how those assets actually looked on the ground, you know, what were the types of ideas, improvements that people had in mind for their communities to, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, maybe spruce up a street or, you know, the, the type of um, uh, use they would li- like to see at a key corner or intersection uh, in their community. And right. then ultimately culminating in, okay, here's how that looks on, on a map, in a plan, residents could actually see, you know, what what their ideas inspired that ultimately would go into the plan. And I think that was a very a very good process for us uh, to go through uh, as a city, but but I think that a lot of residents got a good bit out of it too. I recall uh, having a conversation with the director of the Height CDC which serves Berkeley as well as uh, sort of a, a larger area around there mm-hmm. and uh, he telling me that he was very inspired by so many residents of the neighborhood commenting to him uh, what a unique opportunity it was for folks sort of across the larger heights area to get together and talk about what they loved about their neighborhood and how they could uh, envision seeing their neighborhood move forward and, and doing so in a way that it felt like uh, there was real vision being applied to a, a plan that was going to make a difference uh, in the future of the neighborhood, Yeah, uh, which we certainly uh, love feedback like that because that's the type of of process that we're trying to create when we create a plan and ultimately when we create the final product. That's what we hope the final product will ultimately lead to is that type of transformation that community residents uh, voice in a planning process, Right, uh, seeing that happen uh, in real time. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Storyboard 30 on FM 89.3 WYPL. This is your host, Mark Fleischer. We are sitting with John Zena, Director of Memphis and Shelby County Division of Planning and Development, talking about the comprehensive plan known as Memphis 3.0, which was passed uh, a couple weeks ago uh, by city council. Adopted, I should say, right? Adopted. Adopted. Speaking of adoption, in terms of the actual process now, based on the community feedback, the plan identified anchor you know, areas, in other words, kind of like many core centers, if you will, of communities and, and neighborhoods where the commercial districts are, where the Kroger is, you know, where the movie theater might be, you know, things like that, where, where services are. But when it comes to the actual implementation of the plan now, when it comes to land use decisions, when it comes to board of adjustment decisions, even to a certain degree, landmarks decisions, how is the 3.0 plan being 
utilize? I know the term you, that you all use is consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, there's a, there are a number of different ways that the plan is being implemented today on using that term adoption. Mm-hmm. So the plan was first adopted by the Planning Commission, the Land Use Control Board, in February. And since then, um, our staff in planning and development has been looking to the plan to help make recommendations uh, related to cases that are filed with Office of Planning and Development that will go to Land Use Control Board or Board of Adjustment, uh, and then for some of those, ultimately, uh, to the City Council. That is one of the key ways that uh, the plan is implemented, is being implemented. That term consistency is something that is found in uh, the Tennessee state law, and and, Tennessee is not unique to that degree. There are states all over the country that um, have consistency doctrines within their state law as it relates to adoption of of the comprehensive plan and and ultimately how it's implemented. What the state law says is that uh, once the legislative body adopts the comprehensive plan, then land use decisions made thereafter must be consistent with the plan. But the period ends there, and it doesn't go any further. Mm-hmm. And so if for those who are more familiar with the plan, you'll know that one of the things that we did was to say, well, we need to provide some guidance to what that means as it relates to how one would interpret the plan mm-hmm. with respect to land use. Because uh, what we didn't want to do was to create uh, a very sort of strict set of rules that one could only do certain types of uses uh, in areas. We wanted to create some flexibility so that there were different paths to achieving ultimately the vision of the plan. So we looked at within that flexible uh, situational criteria as we've as we've talked about it, not only how the proposal sort of fits on the future planning land use planning map, but then also how it relates to things like uh, the degree of change. So, you know, are, is this an area that we want to see a significant change in density or more incremental change? How it relates to uh, existing land uses uh, on the ground today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we don't want to do is is go way too far in some area and, and permit something that is not in uh, keeping with the general character uh, of, of the community, which is uh, a value that we expressed very clearly in the plan that community character was sort of one of the most important things that we wanted to make sure that we preserved and honored uh, as we were thinking about developing back in the city. So our staff looks at those different criteria and uh, with each case that comes in, they make a recommendation, an interpretation and a recommendation on how uh, the proposal meets with consistency. But then ultimately, it's up to the Land Use Control Board to do the same, and then mm-hmm. the City Council now to do the same. And I pointed out the other night uh, when when uh, the plan was approved that since February, when the Land Use Control Board approved Memphis 3.0, there's only been one case that has come to City Council where the City Council differed with the recommendation of OPD and the Land Use Control Board. And that was very much a classic close call uh, type of land use case where you had an existing commercial use that wanted to expand their footprint, but expanded a little bit into a residential area. And so what 
my staff and what the Land Use Control Board said was, well, we feel like this is commercial encroaching into a residential area, so we would recommend rejection on this. Mm -hmm. The city council had a different take. They said, well, but this is an existing land use, commercial. Mm -hmm. It's along a commercial corridor, predominantly commercial corridor, and surrounded on all sides except for where they want to go yeah. <laughs> by commercial. And this is a productive use for the community. So we believe that that it it is in keeping, well, that what they said was that, that this was a, a an encroachment that they were okay with. Yeah. Um, but what they were also sort of saying de facto was that it was in keeping with that consi- consistency criteria of adjacent land uses uh, for those reasons. So they, they essentially made a finding of consistency. Right. Um, and when those types of cases come up in the future, hey, maybe we'll only have one a year. Um, yeah. You know, what what city council will do is, is kind of weigh those criteria to say, you know, how does this fit? And ultimately, what this is about is the, the decision, land use decisions that are made by OPD, Land Use Control Board, Board of Adjustment, City Council, that they're not being dictated to be, to have to go one way or the other. Yeah. But we're merely asking how do these decisions add up to a whole? How do they add up to a vision for where we're going for the future? Which I think is ultimately the role of having a plan uh, right. to shape that future. I think on a very tangible level, you know, you, you mentioned the, the you know the the development you talked about just now, but also I think about things like you know I think a good example would be the trend in the '50s, '60s, into the '70s was for vast amount of surface parking uh, that fronted a main corridor with a structure in the back. That's that's something we're used to seeing. If you go downtown, you'll see a lot of surface parking with a the main structure that is 50 yards past or, or, or uh, you know, away from the main street, which does not promote walkability. It encourages the use of the automobile. Now, today's trends are the opposite where the main structure is on the street, promotes walkability, and we do creative things with the parking. There was a, there was a good uh, example of the hotel that went in on Union across from the ballpark where the developer wanted to or was proposing to put the hotel back. I think it was south toward the Forum, I think. That's correct. Yeah, toward Beale Street, yeah with surface parking in front. Yeah, yeah, fronting on Union. And, you know, that's that's more of a downtown type thing, but the same logic, I think, applies to some of your urban centers. Certainly. Right, right. right. On that note, how challenging is it for larger-scale developments to meet consistency of 3.0 when the traditional model has been to let's say we're talking about an apartment building or a hotel, let's say apartment building, where the traditional model has been to have ground parking, ground floor parking, walled off property, meaning you have to drive into the property itself. It is walled off or gated off surrounding the community. And and yet it's being built in a in an area that really is an area where we want to promote walkability. There's a, a specific development um, that's being proposed in the Pinch District. We we don't have to get into specifics, but the developer is also one of our largest institutions. There was a little bit of pushback on 
their plan did not quite meet 3.0 consistency. Um, so my question is, getting <laughs> around and round about it, how challenging is it at times to kind of educate developers on what the long-term vision is for the city and what the community wants out of the city and what younger populations want out of a city? How challenging is that? That's a good question, and it it it, it ranges. Um, yeah, you know there are there are certainly a lot of developers locally. You know, especially you, you've got a lot of developers now who you know they are affiliated with Urban Land Institute. They're members. Uh, they participate in the events, but they also, I mean, they've got their fingers on the pulse of the trends too, and mm-hmm. and and. I think a lot of uh, our developers locally who um, want to create successful products, uh, you know, especially in more urban parts of our community, uh, value, like many people do, the the goals of walkability and goals of, you know, better addressing the street and so forth. But that's, we're also, we're turning the page from where trends were not focused in those urban areas. And so there are models of design and there are models of, of architecture that are maybe left over from an era that was not as as friendly to right, uh, right. rebuilding back in urban environments. Um, I, I'll say a lot, you know, a lot of the, the, the work that we see in terms of the, the larger projects uh, that are being proposed to us uh, as of late I think do a great job of of addressing the street, addressing walkability, uh, creating the sort of vibrant urban environment that we want to see. You know, the the proposed designs that I've seen for projects like Union Row, for example. Yeah. I think they've done a great job of of, of meeting the spirit of of what we're trying to create. You know, in terms of a, a vibrant, walkable urban environment. Uh, but you're right. There are some that where there are uh, either some some older design thinking, or there is maybe special circumstances uh, like the case you mentioned right. that make it difficult, or at least um, start the the process off a little bit further away from where we want to be. Uh, and it takes some negotiation, and it takes some takes some time. Uh, takes some time. I will say that that we recognized uh, in in planning and development, we recognize that that is a service that we ought to be. Uh, helping to provide the community. You know, we're not just here to, you know, review proposals against the Unified Development Code for conformity. That is part of our job. Yeah. We're not just here to review proposals uh, against Memphis 3.0 now, but that is part of our job. I think we're also here uh, as planning and development staff to provide a level of of design leadership and a level of um, uh, design example for the community to be able to illustrate the type of things that we want to see throughout our communities and 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 being sensitive to character of our communities. And one of the things that we did within the last year was to bring on a design professional who uh, came from, uh, I think, one of the the more successful architecture firms in town, one of more one of the more uh, urban focused architecture firms in town, mm-hmm. BRG3S, Brett Ragsdale, to be uh, sort of our urban design specialist, and and Brett has come in and you know worked with our staff to be able to to uh, help increase our level of education and our level of service that we're providing uh, to citizens, to developers, to builders. Uh, so that we can be able to 
demonstrate and educate uh, on the types of things that, that we want to see uh, now and into the future in Memphis with respect to design quality. And that's certainly, uh, we're at a beginning point in that, and that's certainly somewhere where we can improve on uh, going forward. But right. uh, I think it's a key role for our division to play. And it's such an important time. We're, we're at this you know point where there is literally billions of dollars of investment coming and planning it's essential that we have a, of a guide and we have this planning guide uh, to move forward Absolutely. to help us guide the future. To learn more about Memphis 3.0, you can go to their website, Memphis 3.0. So that's actually the word Memphis, the number three, the word point, P-O-I-N-T, the number zero, dot com. Memphis 3.0.com. John Zena, Director of Memphis and Shelby County Division of Planning Development, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you again to Jeff Hewlett and his fine acoustic guitar work, to producer Vance Durbin, and to WYPL broadcast manager Tommy Warren, to WYPL and the Memphis Public Libraries for their support, and to you listeners and supporters of the library and FM 89.3. We hope you join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more conversation with those Memphis personalities and shapers who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week. Thank you.